Welcome to Season 2, Episode 77 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and today with me I have Mr. Matthew Aguilar. What up? Janelle Wheeler. Hey, everybody. And back with us again, Mr. Adam Barnhart. What's going on? And uh, we're here because uh, Adam is one of our, you know, foremost experts on many things, but of course, Marvel especially, uh, and we have a new quasi-Marvel project to discuss, exactly. which is, of course, <laughs> Hellstrom, the new yes. series is out, and uh, yeah, we're going to be going into full spoilers about that and kind of taking that apart. We're going to be talking some Hellstrom spoilers and kind of where this show lands and the kind of weirdness of this whole project and... Uh, what we're taking away from it. Beyond that, we are also going to be talking about the Batman. Brandon Davis got to go out and visit the set of the Batman. He can't be with us today because he's ever busy he's talking with the stars, but uh, he shared some things he wanted to kind of let you guys know about. So we're going to give you a quick little set report from the set of the Batman in Chicago where Brandon Davis was out. Plus, we got to talk about a Doctor Strange casting. Matt has some Power Ranger stuff he snuck in here that I didn't see before reading this it right now. It just dropped. Right now. <laughs> you got a lot of suddenly surprises. You're ahead of the curve, you man. You got a lot of October surprises for this episode already. Like, in Kofi's words, we're bossing it out. <laughs> you have lost your mind today. But he also, Matt has some gaming stuff he wants to talk to you guys about. And we are going to do a quick TV recap for the Fear the Walking Dead second episode, Lovecraft Country finale. Plus, we got some new comics to discuss, so let's get into all of that now. Cut this one thing you guys never seen. I'm going to correct Adam's name in the spelling of this, of this nice little episode. Yeah, there we go. Now we're set. Let's get to the doer show. <laughs> right up top. One thing I didn't mention in my whole rollout here is that uh, we also got a new DC movie announcement that we're going to talk about, and that, of course, is Static shock so this is kind of one i mean dc's just been trying to make help fans like i mean therapeutically in 2020 by kind of giving them stuff to keep on living for all the way through 2023 essentially um and here's another one on the pile michael b jordan kind of made this announcement and michael b jordan's like every fanboy's hero for like as of now these days and uh yeah he's gonna be helping to bring a Static Shock movie into, into screens. So if you're not familiar, Static Shock started as part of a DC's Milestone imprint, which it was in the 90s, um, basically kind of like an urban arm of the DC universe with a lot of kind of creators of color kind of co like coming together and, and creating new heroes and doing this thing that, you know, ironically, we now fight about all the time online, like, well, why don't we just make new heroes? It's like, well, DC did Milestone, and they, and they had some good creations. But um, undoubtedly the one, and maybe another day we'll dip into that because I loved Milestone, but uh, the one that literally kind of jumped off the page and became a character icon of his own and franchise of his own was Static Shock. And it's a, it's a movie that people have been kind of waiting for for a, a long time. And it had a successful animated series, in the 2000s that had a lot to do with kind of animation and kind of writing guru Dwayne McDuffie, who unfortunately passed away in the 2010s. Um, yeah. And so this is something a lot of fans have been waiting for. Michael B. Jordan being involved in this already gives it a lot of street cred for lack of a better term. But uh, yeah. How do you guys feel about this on this static shock deal? 
I looked it up. Uh, I looked up the anime series, the animated series, because I obviously you guys are teaching me slowly but surely. I was brought into comic book because of my Walking Dead stuff. I, I, we already know this. I'm big on video games, stuff like that. So I'm learning the comics and I'm actually really happy to be familiar with this character now uh, because when I saw that we were going to talk about it, I was like, I need to research at least a little bit. And you can find good information um, if you don't, if you aren't super familiar with character, and I'm actually really pumped. I think this is going to be awesome. Like a really, really, really cool, refreshing. The only thing I'm curious about is age. Like how old will they be um, portraying him? Like, is it going to be like a kid flick? Is he going to be anyways that you guys I'm sure can answer that question. You know, I hadn't really thought about it about oh. that part because uh, yeah, I mean, in the, in the animated series, especially he was younger. Right. And that's uh, the one I yeah. looked up. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I Michael. yeah, I didn't really, I hadn't really thought about it. Oh that. my I mean, gosh, thought, I'm like, but Michael B. Jordan's a great actor, so I, I just went, oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. a good question because I mean, the milestone was a harder kind of imprint than than like traditional DC mm-hmm. comics, if I'm remembering correctly. Like, yeah, it wasn't like full on like it wasn't black label or vertigo, vertigo but no. it definitely had an edge yeah. than yeah. the regular. One. I like yeah. that. So. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could you could go with it. Um, yeah, I don't know what the tone of this would be. It, it is a good question. And about, I mean, I think something teenage with a little bit of angst, but a little bit of like warmth, you know, is a, probably a good angle to hit. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine it not falling in a PG-13, you know, range. So, yeah, I mean, that would be my take on it. Um, but of course, some some real deal. Of course, times have changed. Things are very different and there's a lot you can kind of do with this. Uh, that would be really great if they made it like relevant to kind and of I do, what yeah, like is going saying. on. Yeah. I, yeah, and I do like the idea of a slightly older mm-hmm. static shot. Right, older than the animated. Yeah, like I do like that idea because I, yeah. I feel like, like you said, it plays is in. Is he like, four, I think he's that. 14 in the animated or something close to that. Oh, is Michael B. Jordan. I don't know. I actually Older than 14. Yeah, very true. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Well, they said uh, everyone was fan casting uh, Boyega, and he said he was way too old. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of great young actors that could that could definitely take that on. Uh, my my dude from uh, what call it? How old is he from? Um, uh, what is that called? Snowfall. He'd be a great guy. Um, you got none of you watch Snowfall. Uh, Damson Idris, yeah, he's a great guy. He plays the main character in Snowfall. He's a great actor who would be kind of about the age, I would imagine, for this character. He is born 1991, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. Right in the sweet spot. Yeah, <laughs> right in that sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, Damson Idris is, yeah, and he's British, but he plays, in, and if you haven't seen Snowfall, it's about the true story about the kid who developed, um, you know, crack cocaine and made it a big thing selling and so it's kind of a breaking bad story with a from an urban youth twist so bang you know there you go yeah Yeah. and he's kind of this very seemingly innocent at first kid who becomes you know enraptured by power and begins to become more and more of a gangster and stuff like that and so he's a really good actor he really carries that show a lot and yeah he'd be he'd be great for something like this so that's just my name nomination for that but uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on this. I don't think anybody's mad about this, really. Um, I mean, it, even the internet trolls. This this is everything you say we should be doing. So, oh my god, go. can we get can we get that guy to play Spencer in an excellence movie? Because that sounds like a perfect yeah. Movie. Yeah, no, he'd be great for that, too. And I would love to see an excellence <laughs> movie. And if you have missed me and Matt's uh, interview about the comic excellence, that's one of the hot comics this year, you should go back and listen to that. All right, moving right along, offense to uh, Adam's hometown, Marvel. 
Let's talk about uh, a Babysitter's Club star has been cast in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, there oh, is – her name is uh, – I don't want to butcher her name. Matt, do you have a good name, like, hit on this? Uh, no. I mean, I thought – I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to screw it up. I Adam, <laughs> I'm fairly confident it's Sochi Gomez. Sochi Gomez. Okay. Sochi. We're gonna go with Sochi Gomez, uh, and she's in the Babysitters Club, and she's been cast in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in what I believe is an undisclosed role so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys, Marvel experts, comic experts, Adam and Matt, give me your theories. Who who is she playing? The, I mean. This, they say America. I'm not sure if Matt agrees with that or not. I still think it's teetering way too young for, for America Chavez. Yeah, I Googled her, and I was like, she is a baby. Well, but they are tending to uh, – right. the way, the way, like, so far that Marvel has kind of introduced some of these characters, mm-hmm. they do kind of skew younger. I mean, just look at, like, Tom Holland. Like, they're kind of – they kind of skew that way. So I wouldn't be surprised if – if she is America. Now that said, I, that's not the only plausible one, but I feel like with the rumors that America was going to play a small but important role in the movie and for like, it it kind of fits. Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I would be surprised if it wasn't her. Right, exactly. And uh, just because this is confusing for people who may not be like super duper nerds like us, like this is Miss America is a character. Uh, her real name is America Chavez. Mm-hmm. And that's who we're talking about. So yes, yeah. who comes from a separate dimension? Yeah, she's she's in, she's a Latin. She's it's a Latin. Right in with Doctor Strange too. And yeah, and not to put labels on things because people don't need to be classified by everything. But she is notable for being Marvel's first Latin slash LGBTQ plus character. Love um, it. Yeah, and she's that an awesome. Awesome. She's just an awesome character. Mm-hmm. in general right yeah, yeah her yeah, animation is great like i'm looking at the artwork and yeah. i mean and she fits that she looks like her as you matt is pointing out not only does this kind of fit with what they're doing in general with these characters which is kind of skewing younger to have them for longer mm-hmm. um it's also another kind of little it's a little breadcrumb in this trail of phase four also functioning as kind of a young avengers story and there's so many ways we keep coming back to that to just being a kind of slow retread of phase one only for the younger kids this time um if you want to go over it real quick we got like we got kate bishop coming in mm-hmm. we have um what's her name in wandavision who's going to be uh kind of introduced uh, oh um, oh Rambo's my god daughter. i just had yes i just, <laughs> yeah, I just had I forget her, her yeah. superhero name uh yeah. spectrum, spectrum or yeah. photon or one of the yeah. captain marvel or whatever yeah 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 there's that happening um what else is going on i forget the uh, twins kamala. maybe yeah kamala kamala yeah has been cast now so we got um uh, mrs marvel has been cast and yeah it just keeps going even the kang stuff we've been over uh jonathan majors being cast this Kang opens the door for somebody else to be cast as Iron Lad and, and doing that whole thing, uh, which forms the Young Avengers. And now this would be another kind of, like I said, piece in that puzzle. So that's not a bad guess for me. And it seems like, I feel like they're just sprinkling in like, mm-hmm. and every, it's like one of those Marvel Build-A-Figure things. It's like, go <laughs> to every MCU <laughs> Phase 4 movie, yeah. meet one like Young Avenger character. They that's have a, a perfect plan. description. Oh my God, yeah. that's a perfect description. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like Riri's going to pop up yeah. somewhere. Uh, Sam Alexander. Yeah, right? Rob, I mean, Novo. You're going to get like your that. Champions movie, yeah. essentially. And I would be honestly surprised if whenever that comes, 
instead of being a Young Avengers, straight up like Young Avengers movie, it'll be a Champions right, movie right, right, and they'll just shoehorn Young Avengers concepts right. and blend them together. Because yeah. I would be so stunned if like some D23 two years from now, it's like Champions. And that's the, that's the next Yeah, and all these people we've heroes. seen in all these other shows is basically to go through and introduce all this. And so they have like another big team up. Because I was there in 2010. Now I was above Hall H because I like had... I was like tried to take over the press room, which is above hall H, but I can still remember that floor feeling like it was going to collapse when all those Avengers actors walked out on stage and like, yeah, it was nuts. I would love to see something like that again. So I'm in for that. All right. That's what's happening in Dr. Strange. We kind of veered from the path. That movie's just getting crazier. All these phase four movies are just keep getting more and more stacked and stacked. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man yeah. three and Dr. Strange. That's feels wild. Like it's be we're nuts. getting like another event kind of film thing happening just between those two films yeah. alone and likely to launch much, much more. So yeah, I mean, who knows? We might even get a Miles Morales in this young Avengers thing out of all Oh this. my gosh, that would yeah. be amazing. When does that happen? Uh, it may be happening. We it? don't know. Right. Like, like, we don't know that it's not happening. Like, all this stuff in Doctor Strange, we're like, oh, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, we got it all. We know everything that's happening. It's like, we don't know anything. <laughs> if there's Wouldn't a Spider-Verse thing uh, happening, Miles Morales will be definitely thrown in this mix. Like, we don't know. That so would be I, something if like the deals, like, cause it's not that way. Cause I'm pretty sure Sony, like I know Sony owns miles as part yeah. of their rights, but like, it would be something to where if they worked out a deal to where like, okay, we need a full-time Spider-Man to pop up in movies. You have Peter, we have miles. And then they just intersect for whatever big. And that's all possible. Oh my gosh. Kevin Feige basically said that's all possible. Mm -hmm. They yeah. can do exactly that. They can do shuffle, hot potato. They can play whatever game <laughs> they like, they want to yeah. do. So, all right, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we got a lot more to talk about. Matt's going to take us into the Power Rangers universe. Tell us what's happening in gaming. And we got to talk about the Batman set visit, Hellstrom, Fear the Walking Dead, and Lovecraft Country. So stay tuned for all of that. All right, we're back. Matt, take us away. Power right. Rangers universe. Yay. Things are happening as we're sitting here. What's going on? Because I love real-time reactions. <laughs> was literally writing this before I hopped into the show. So, like, it's nice to actually get one of these <laughs> before the next episode. So, essentially, the big news. We, we knew previously that uh, Jonathan Entwistle, I believe I'm saying his name correctly, um, was the going to be the director. It had not been, like, confirmed, like, but he was going to be... Snoop Dogg spin on that? What? Entwistle? Yeah. Did I do that? <laughs> What's his name? I didn't know his name? Like, I didn't know if that was like the real deal or you threw like a little No, no, no. I thought that was the actual That name. is amazing. <laughs> what is it? I thought it was Ed Twistle. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. It's probably it. It's Dang so it, great. Right? No, no, no this Twizzle. is awesome. I wasn't like saying Zol. I was saying Soul. But now it's, yeah. Okay. Jonathan. Jonathan So we knew that he was going to be the director of the upcoming Power Rangers movie reboot. Uh, which follows the 2017 one that is well liked by fans, but didn't do it for the box office. So the report came out today. Now that had been actually like sort of previously unconfirmed kind of, and they were still kind of dancing around that. So today a big report came out that he will indeed be directing uh, the movie, the live action movie uh, that is set to be based on the nineties show uh, in like, there's going to be time travel and things like that. But also he is going to now shepherd the live action television series that is still running all these years later. Wow. Uh, and that the biggest thing is that they're actually going to connect. So they're actually doing 
the MCU-ish tie thing of like stuff that happens on the show will actually hopefully be referenced in the movie. Characters can bounce back and forth. Timelines will be all in the same because I mean, up until now, you know, aside from like the first couple seasons, like Power Rangers is very much kind of the like Final Fantasy of live action TV. It's kind of like every time is like a new set of characters, a new premise and all that stuff. And then they have things in common. And then every so often they cross over. So like we all know they're a part of the same overall tapestry, but we don't, they don't interact a ton other than those like special episodes. In this case, it seems like it's all going to be this one cohesive universe, which fans have wanted for a long time. The comics do this. And they do it extremely well. So it is nice to see that carry over to the TV and movies. Uh, also, the other thing of note was that Hasbro has kind of been doing more and more of this. They have everything going through E1, which is uh, they're kind of doing a lot more things in-house. So where the Power Rangers movie was previously like their Transformers movies at Paramount and G.I. Joe, it is now at E1. So it's kind of like they're, they've built up this sort of in-house studio and they have taken control of that. Whether that means in the future, I imagine Paramount's not going to let the Transformers thing go. They've been their longtime partner for their properties, but it will be interesting to see kind of how that develops and, and what that means. Like Snake Eyes is coming. So, I mean, they're, they're act, they have things active in development. I imagine the Bumblebee 2 sequel, like it's not going to affect that kind of stuff, but I will be interested to see how that plays out moving forward. So that's a lot of big things in Power Rangers news very quickly. Oh, you're not done, buddy. You got some gaming stuff you're also psyched to talk about. <laughs> well, yes, I was. I was just giving you a natural. <laughs> I was just giving no, a natural, give me a natural so, pause. Well, thank you. Uh, no problem. So, uh, Marvel's Avengers. Uh, we recently got some uh, news. So, you had mentioned Kate Bishop. She was one of the characters that uh, had been talked about and was, it was heavily hyped. And she was going to come out this month. And with her was going to be some additional story content. Because with every character, there's kind of like a, not a mini campaign, but there's additional story uh, stuff and more missions and things like that. She has been pushed uh, a little bit. It, she's been pushed out of October. So that's not like a, a giant thing. They also pause the next gen uh, versions of the game. So like your older versions of Marvel's Avengers will your old gen, your current gen will play on the next gen, but they won't be like the snazzy updone things that's going to be later in 2021. The reason why they did that was because they did this big kind of state of the game address and kind of addressed some of the issues that were, you know, uh, at launch and they've since been patching and things like that. They wanted to essentially kind of get everything right before they started introducing all this other content. And it was, it was actually a really interesting uh, read. I mean, you can check it out on comicbook.com. We have the full write-up on it and what it means and things like that. Uh, the last patch of the game, uh, if you've been on Reddit forums, I tend to be on Reddit forums and on social all day. Uh, the last patch fixed a lot of nagging things that people did not like. So it's gotten a, a good reception, but I'm glad that they've kind of pushed the other stuff and making sure that that ship is right before they start throwing all this other content in. Um, so I think, it's, I think it's a good thing for the game. I still play a couple times a week, so I mean, I'm digging it, but it, there are things it needs and, and I'm glad they're actually addressing that. Uh, the other big thing whoa, whoa, is actually- Is this game dead? Like, I feel like this game is dead, Matt. I feel no. like this Avengers, uh, I feel like, I don't know. Okay, so there was a report that came out uh, a little bit ago that was about PC, like the PC audience was like significantly down, which it is. Um, but this game also is not like the console life of this game. I go on, I play this like seriously four times a week, typically. Like four nights a week, I 
actually get to sit in game. That's pretty much my calendar. Uh, so I get to go and I, I throw that on. I never have a problem finding people. I'm always hopping in and out. Like there's more and more content on this game. They definitely had a ton of issues that needed. Some of them were just like UI stuff. Other ones were quality of life things. Other ones were just like bugs and glitches. So they had that and they, they're on like, I think the fifth patch now. Like they've released like five or six patches. So basically they released like a part of a game and then we're like, well, they addressed that. Well, they addressed that kind of like in the thing of like, this is, and to their credit, I mean, Crystal, if you look back at like Crystal Dynamics, other games, they don't do this. Like they typically don't release a game that has that many like issues at launch. And they said, I mean, like, we're not used to shipping a product like that where like they have been true to their word. I mean, they've been, popping out patches constantly and new content, whatever. So I don't think it, I don't think it's dead by any means. Uh, but I mean, there is a, you did notice a lot of like back and forth between uh, the community and the bugs and things like that. There were things that needed to be fixed. So I don't think it's dead, but it's not, it doesn't have the momentum it did at launch. Yeah, Absolutely I really don't not. see it on Twitch very much. I mean, not to say that like, I'm not searching for it, but I just thought it was gonna really like yeah. take off. And the fact that it's not in the super like upper, uh, you know, grouping of games is, is kind of surprising to yeah. me. This is one of those, when you say dead, as, as someone who wanted it to not be dead. Right. Anthem was dead. Right. <laughs> as, as someone who bought Anthem, all right, right. As someone who bought Anthem, Anthem was dead. You could tell there was a death. This is not. This is not dead. Right. No. Pushing things I, a little bit wanna, out of whatever. Yeah. I don't want to derail us too much because we got a lot to cover. No, but it's a good question, yeah. and it's the one that comes up. So no, it's something we needed to address. For your love, um, of Marvel's Avengers. All right, move on. Go. On. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, next thing we're going to talk about is Assassin's Creed. So uh, Valhalla comes out. Uh, just a couple weeks from now, I'm um, excited. And they announced uh, their brand new, of course, every game has a season pass now. They've announced uh, two, theirs will have like two sizable things of content. Uh, one will take place in Paris and the other one I'm blanking on at the moment. Uh, but there's a, the first sizable content that's going to come later this year. The other thing though, is that there's like a bonus, like mission quest thing. And it's actually going to be themed around Beowulf, uh, which is awesome because like, uh, fans of, I mean, I'm, I always talk on the show, like I'm, I'm a fan of like mythology, just in general, whether it's Greek or Norse or whatever. Uh, but this is going to be like this kind of whodunit. So you're, you're kind of, tr- you're tracking down like all these murders and things that are happening and you think it's partly supernatural, but you're not sure. It could just be someone mimicking. There's this whole like mystery thing that you're going to get as well as the other sizable places. And then they're also going to release modes, like actual like different modes for the game going forward, which is kind of unique for like a third person, like third person action adventure games don't typically get new modes. They typically get either extra story content or costume DLC. They're kind of going a little bit of a different way with this. Uh, so it's interesting. So you can check up all of that and including a new trailer on comicbook.com. All right, buddy. Thanks. Yeah. So now that we've done that, that's our news flash segment. Let's get into our deep dive. Uh, the first thing up is a set revisit report from the Batman. Like I said, Brandon Davis couldn't be here today, but he just got back. He was over in Chicago where he was kind of there and uh, able to witness a second unit, which is, if you're not familiar with movie terms, a second unit is is a second unit of people (laughs) working to film parts of the movie. Um, And it's usually parts like sequences or things that don't necessarily require like 
the main director or the main cast member or stars. They're um, usually just pieces of the movie that have to be shot that, like I said, can be done without those main people involved with what is called a second unit of filmmakers to kind of handle that stuff. So while the Batman's doing its thing over in London with the main cast and director Matt Reeves, the second unit was in Chicago uh, filming a kind of or a car chase sequence. I'm just going to try to make sure I get Brandon's. Uh, Yeah, there's a kind of chase sequence and some car stuff. And he got to see a kind of sequence or a segment of Gotham City that had a bunch of kind of interesting details in it. And so he wanted to share that stuff with you guys. And so I'll send you, I'll tell you about what he sent me. Uh, basically, like I said, it was a Chicago, it was in Chicago, second unit. And uh, it was filmed just two blocks from where they filmed Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, the sequence where uh, the Batman, where Christian Bale's Batman on his like bat pod does the whole stringing of Joker's tanker truck and causes mm-hmm. it to flip. Okay. So that street in Chicago. So they were just two blocks from that. Uh, which is a lot. That's like entire worlds if you've ever been to Chicago. Yeah. Um, but it's still interesting to note. He got to see a con- uh, sequence with the Gotham Police Department and Catwoman's on a motorcycle is zipping down the street and kind of, uh, there's, I guess this is a chase scene on the motorcycle with her kind of doing her thing. That's on awesome. The with the Gotham PD. And so it sounds like, she was going that she's in a part of Gotham or trying to get into a part of Gotham. That's maybe not as friendly to cops or where she can escape. And that's just all speculation. I don't know that. I'm just interpreting what Brandon's telling me, but he kind of focused in on a lot of the details about different kind of little things that kind of indicate what kind of Gotham city this is going to be. And maybe some DC Easter eggs for this larger Batman universe that's being built. Uh, yeah, and so he saw signs, skulls, marks, things like never trust authority, all this kind of stuff that really cool at big civil unrest at this point in Gotham, um, which fits into the Batman's theme because Riddler is killing you know public figures like the mayor and saying it's about corruption, and so the Batman's almost in this kind of it feels like where we're getting is this kind of almost like French Revolution type deal or just uh, or just a not so exaggerated sense of what could be happening in very real society right now where people fed up with just like the political and law system of law and order politics, uh, the wealth disparity, all that stuff. And you're in kind of like Joker in a weird way, you're hearing these rumblings of civil unrest. Um, they went to a very clean neighborhood in Chicago called the loop. And they, and so all of this kind of grit and grime was, was created by the filmmakers to kind of put up all this kind of graffiti trash you know dirt all of that stuff and um yeah he said that details like the cars and stuff set this as a modern day version of gotham city so we're going to be like all the registrations are still 2019 there's not old timey cars or anything like that so we're gonna be getting kind of a modern yeah day thing so that's so cool. I showed my fiance all the photos. I was like, oh my gosh, look at this cab. It says Gotham City on it. And he's like, it's, it's, a, it's a cab and it has a sticker on it. And I'm like, you're just not a nerd. You don't understand. I'm like, look, he's holding a paper that has like, 
I think that's the Joker's thing. And he's like, Janelle, they printed out a piece of paper. Like, but it's like, for me, it's just really exciting. And I know I'm not alone and I'm glad I could share that no. with you guys. And, <laughs> no, and Janelle's right. If you go on our comicbook.com Instagram, there's mm -hmm. a whole photo gallery of everything Brandon did on the set. And it's pretty awesome. But there are crazy little details. Like you just see like these old like cars and sedans that have, you know, clear dents from people mm -hmm. who couldn't afford to fix them. Um, everything's made to be dusty and it looks grimy. And this is a clean looks neighborhood real, in Chicago. Yeah. If you've ever seen it, it is a very clean neighborhood and it looks gross and it looks gross in a very kind of real world way, not like a Tim. And we know that Matt Reeves is going with some Tim Burton-esque kind of heightened reality stuff in this, but Ooh, this yeah. is like really kind of very subtly details about a again a working class people who are not kind of being taken care of the right way and are kind of living in a kind of grimy life and even the cabs have like realistic dust and the dirt, dirt. yeah, yeah it's, he's it's like it's so just a dirty gross. car i'm like it no but like, they put the dirt there <laughs> yeah it looks like the cars you that people draw like you know signs like wash your damn car on yeah and stuff and uh, yeah, signs with like policemen's from the skull. What movie is that from? Like, does that remind me of? I'm trying to think of the horror movie. So is it, many. <laughs> is it they live like yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, but it says never trust authority. So like yeah, there's some there's some real stuff going on here, um, and which brings us even more question into like what is going on because we see in the trailer like Batman rumbling with the cops. Like obviously that relationship is not is tenuous mm -hmm. at best. And the whole notion of this vigilante doing the job that they're not doing and that whole con like back and forth is going to come into play. So, um, yeah, all in all, I mean, this might seem like minor stuff to some people that we didn't get to see Robert Pattinson like sprinting down the street or something. But these are all Brandon Davis did a very good job of kind of digging into the fine details and extrapolating kind of good inferences about what this all means, what kind of movie we're seeing take shape and kind of what kind of themes Matt Reeves is is playing with here and it's just great to see all. progress you know like <laughs> they're getting through they're starting they're like get they're back on a schedule they're filming at you know two different locations at the same time it's just good news you know <laughs> like yeah, stuff's no, I mean, getting done <laughs> yeah we're trudging forward hollywood is yeah. trudging forward and we're, and we're getting this uh we're getting this puppy done and i mean brandon you know no small milestone brandon davis got to do a set visit which is like i mean it's been a long year yeah we, we haven't gotten to do a lot of those yeah <laughs> We've all been in the house doing weird, awkward Zoom stuff. So, uh, well, apparently not the most awkward Zoom stuff out there, but uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> but still, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but, but moving right along. Like I said, go on comicbook.com DC. Look at uh, Brandon Davis's Batman 7 as a report. There's a lot of cool details in there. Check that stuff out. I'm only more excited for this, not only this movie, but the kind of universe they're building. I actually have faith in this weird Batman universe. Yeah. All right, we're going to take another break after that before we get into our TV breakdowns of Hellstrom, Fear the Walking Dead, Lovecraft Country, and I think Matt's going to take us out with some new comics you should be buying. So stay tuned for all of that good stuff. All right, Hellstrom. Marvel's Hellstrom, if you want to call it that. I do because, I mean, right. that's what it is. But uh, Hulu's Hellstrom, which is still Disney's Hellstrom, which is still Marvel's Hellstrom. Anyway. Mm -hmm. It's all connected. Full circle. Yeah. It's all connected. That's right. It's all connected. It's all monopolized. <laughs> um, this is a weird little 
Marvel character that when we yes. heard they were making this, we were all like, uh, okay. I mean, it sounded, it made sense back then because they were com- making a whole, whole like Marvel Hulu horror thing with Ghost Rider was going to be involved. Who was the other? Wasn't there a third character? There was Glyph. Glyph. Wow. That, Glyph. Wow, that the <laughs> last character Kevin Feige let Marvel Television have. Wow. wow. Man. So, yeah, this was kind of a weird, we didn't know what to expect. Um, I did some of the kind of promo stuff leading into Hellstrom, uh, like the, you know, the uh, major photo galleries and stuff. And we talked about what we'd seen in the kind of the trailers. And we felt like this had a chance to really bring good horror elements and some actual kind of style to it as well, like this kind of gothic style that would be kind of cool. And we were curious to see, how Tom Austin and uh, Sydney Lemon, right? I got her name right, right? Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, played uh, Damon and Anna Hellstrom. And um, for me, I'm at least proud to report, we'll start just impressions and then we'll go full spoilers, that um, I love kind of this take on Hellstrom and even more so than I've ever been interested in a comic character in some ways. Uh, just from the very first scene, Damon and Anna, uh, Cindy Lemon, Anna really is a scene, like, I mean, she just kind of owns the show when she's on the screen. And just from her physique to, like, just her attitude and the way and of her delivery, uh, which is pretty consistent over the character as the episodes go on. And just from the way she asks for help in that kind of really, you know, a-hole way to just, you know, moments of vulnerability and stuff, they do a good job. And I pretty much, I think I enjoy almost every character in this and the actor playing them. Uh, the Victoria character, the uh, nun lady, I don't know about so much. That's kind of a weird thing. But the point is the main Hellstrom twins and their mother and that whole dynamic, uh, I really love and I think kind of carries the show in a lot of ways. And I also love this vision of what it's like to see horror-themed characters or, or entities doing battle with a, in a Marvel universe and the kind of dynamic and just the sound effects and the visuals that they came up with for that, I think are interesting. And I would love to see Marvel do more. I mean, I wrote an article saying Marvel should do more horror stuff and kind of do this and explore that concept. Because I think it's, it takes tropes out of both genres and puts them together in a way we don't see very often. And it, it was pretty interesting. And I, and I would like to see more. I have two episodes left to go on the season. Um, yeah, but so far, I mean, unless they botched the landing, which I imagine is just, if it's a Marvel show, it's just a typical. Now we see them with full powers, like, moment at the very end of season one kind of battle stuff. Like, unless somehow that gets botched, uh, I, I'm down for Hellstrom. I'm down for season two, and I'm down for more Marvel horror. So that's my take. It is. First episode. And oh, I'm obsessed. Yeah. I did. I'm just like, I, I like, I didn't, I'm so glad that I got the message from Kofi sent to me. Uh, like, Hey, watch Hellstrom. Cause I totally forgot about them um, releasing these episodes and everything. Cause my family's in town. It's been kind of crazy, but ah, I love it so much. Um, I think that it's beautifully casted and just the first episode has me just on pins and needles, like wanting to continue on with the rest of uh, the series, because I think they did a great job. Like it's when I saw it, when I looked at it first, I was like, Oh no, this is going to be so scary. Like, and I'm not a horror person, um, but it's not terrifying. It's just really interesting. And it's, it's, it gets me really excited. And um, I think it's so perfect for this time of year. And if you're, if anyone is looking for something like with a Halloween 
kind of twist on it, something spooky that makes you kind of think about like, you know, that other side of, of comic books and heroes. It's more of the, like the dark side and hell and demons and all that. This is just such a good series to jump into. I know mine, mine is very short, but as someone who's not super familiar with the comics, um, other than what we've talked about, I love it. I think it's, to be I, fair, I think in this rare occasion, you're on even ground with most everyone. Oh, thank I God. Even <laughs> people yeah. are not that familiar with the comics. Okay. <laughs> I really do my research though. When, like, when you guys are like, all right, we're going to talk about this. I need you to check it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to look into this. Who are these characters? What's it about? And you really don't need to do that, but I did, and I'm glad I did. It's great. Adam, why don't you give us your impressions, man? What do you think? Initial impressions, so... If you reviewed this, if you yes. haven't read it, Adam reviewed Hellstrom yes, for the yes, site. Yes. Yeah, so let us know. Um, so, I mean, initial impressions. Let's, right away, it's, it's a Marvel television production, right? So people need to understand, you know, Jeff Loeb gets his executive producer credits, um, so the, the two G's are, are very much incorporated, right? Grounded and gritty is kind of his MO and that's very much the case here. Um, you know, just because of what we've seen with, you know, the defenders, agents of shield runaways, even cloak and dagger, you know, everything I didn't anticipate the twins going to, uh, hell and punching Mephisto in the face. You know, but here things are grounded in a way that makes sense out of any TV show, you know, say for maybe Cloak and Dagger, you know, we actually see powers that are more than a, a light up fist or a guy with two machine guns, if you can call that a power or ability, you know, um, I enjoyed it. I really liked it. I think it's probably the most unique thing they've done. They certainly push the boundaries with it. There's a moment in two or three, maybe four. That's really gross. And there's also another one later on that's also really, really gross that we'll never, ever see in a Marvel Studios movie. I don't know how spoilery you want to get eventually, but... Uh, no, we can, no we can, yeah, we can break into that now. Like, yeah, spoilers, let's talk about spoilers, that. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. There, like, there is a good balance of family drama, but no, there are, when there are horror moments, there are some pretty mm-hmm. grotesque horror moments. I mean, there's things that will remind you of The Thing, um several crazy slasher movies uh yeah exorcist and any kind of one of those exorcism mm-hmm. movies you've seen and stuff does come at you fast like you think things are chill and then things get very unchill very quickly yes sometimes and uh and, and yeah these are demons who do not care about humans and so the things that happen are pretty brutal uh what were you thinking of like what were your moments that you were thinking of like the top gory moments because some crazy uh, stuff that happens that I was just like when that. one person becomes two parts um if that suffices unless you want me just to flat out say it with the uh the keeper part where he gets ripped in half yeah he still keeps moving and talking and going about and it was very very unsettling yeah there's a lot of unsettling things like that yeah, there's a lot of, because people get possessed all the time and they do that creepy mm-hmm. thing with like, because I always figure out how they indicate demonic possession in this one. They do this like creepy thing where the eye moves to the side, nice. almost like a fish. And like, yeah, and then those bodies get kind of cast away at mm-hmm. different points. Like, so yeah, one whole set piece is just a guy crushed by a truck and yep. like holding his guts in so that the demon can talk to Hellstrom and just have this argument with him before he gets banished. Yes. And like, yeah. There's a lot of pretty, there's moments where people are possessed and just take axes to other people 
one character takes several axes shining style mm-hmm. to people's heads like yeah um there's some brutal stuff that like you said but that was always the kind of testing ground right like right. doing this on the hulu end is a way to kind of have your cake and eat it too because it's still marvel but it's marvel hulu and right. it's not like on disney plus and parents don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. and it can be involved in avengers stuff without ever seeing those people meet the avengers for obvious reasons and you know you can do that whole thing and yeah i'm glad they leaned into it too um it's not like overly gross like torture porn stuff but like mm-hmm. It's appropriate. Like, yeah, there's a demon that gets badly hurt and it is pretty grotesque when it, when it happens. Like yes. what happens? Cause these are people, I mean, and like I said, the battles are interesting. Cause basically if you haven't seen a show, these demonic entities basically have like telekinesis, essentially what it is. And so they battle just kind of staring at each other and moving stuff around with their minds and kind of doing that. Um, but characters like Damon Hellstrom can, is a pyrokinetic. So he can set people on fire and demons on fire and like like we said that can get pretty gruesome and there's also a bunch of ritualistic torture uh, a demon whose midsection opens up and eats an entire person like mm-hmm. and folds her in half like a sandwich and eats her like yeah there's these demons come with some pretty gnarly gnarly powers to hurt people with um yeah and it gets pretty cronenberg pretty quick uh yeah so but all in all, like I said, the main Hellstrom twins uh, were her good characters. Like I said, Anna is probably my favorite of the two. And the lady who plays their mother, Victoria, does a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, Elizabeth Marvel, ironically. Elizabeth Marvel, yeah. Uh, yeah, does a great job. And I'm looking to see how they do things with the father. And if they get another season, if we do, like Adam said, we do get people going to hell and punching Mephesto in the face mm-hmm. and doing stuff like that and getting really going full, full kind of crazy hellboy with it. Um, we'll see, but, uh, right. I'd say like Janelle said, you know, this is a perfect thing for this time of year. If you're looking for something Halloween and spooky and still keeping that kind of, and feeding your Marvel, your Marvel kind of itch, even in reduced fashion, that's okay. Also one of the, my favorite, I said this on Twitter, I think this is my favorite opening credits for yes. any Marvel show yes. editor from the, from the awesome kind of hand-drawn kid animation that's so messed up when you begin to look at all the pictures to just the creepy like throwback 50s song that's mm-hmm. playing like uh yeah great opening credits so they, they marvel's hellstrom i think we're approved of this so wish i was getting that ghostwriter series too bad right yeah all right maybe you still will yeah well no i yeah i don't think robbie reyes is gonna get <laughs> his, his doing, but, um moving right along let's talk about Fear the Walking Dead, uh, episode two is out. So episode one was all Morgan episode. Episode two was about more of the larger picture of what has happened to uh, Morgan's crew since they had their uh, run-in with, I keep wanting to call her Ashley because of the boys. Because of the boys, Yeah, yes. I can't even think of the name of her character yeah. anymore. She's so much um, more vicious on the show too. Yeah. It's just wrong. Yeah, it, I just, it's all so I can weird. think of her is like a bubbling, like bumbling idiot. Like I just like, I always want to make jokes that fear the walking dead is like a sequel series to the boys. Like it <laughs> happened after the fall of the world. <laughs> the story of the world. Yeah. It's actually like, brilliant. Ashley, Ashley just went bananas and like yep. became this like warlord. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So we find out what happens, but if you're the joke is that the girl who plays Ashley and the boys is the main villain right now. And she's this kind of wild West, you know, okay, Sally type deal who runs this community where she basically mentally enslaves people into kind of serving her or, or kind of meeting these pretty horrific fates. Uh, Virginia is her name in this show. Fear the walking dead is her name is Virginia. Um, 
And so this episode was all about Morgan's crew who has been enslaved by Virginia in her community. And the premise of the episode is basically uh, Strand and Victor Strand and Alicia get recruited to complete this task that Virginia has been sending crews of people to do, which is clear out this facility of walkers. That's like a syrup facility. I think it is uh, or a molasses or syrups facility. Molasses. Yeah. Molasses. And so, yeah. The problem is every time the door opens and they try to it, molasses comes like flowing out. People get <laughs> slip in it, get stuck in it. The walkers are covered in it. And then it's always a disaster and they keep losing crews. So they have to complete this task. And there's a twist when they find out that Virginia's sister has smuggled along with them. And this is going to probably get them killed. And Strand's trying to use this opportunity to double cross her and break everybody out of slavery. And it's this big episode about, you know, the larger picture of what they're fighting for, what they can accomplish and you know what their kind of resolve and and is all about and so it was good to see coleman domingo and alicia debnam carry back and and those are two of the strongest characters that have managed to survive and stay with the show i don't there are things like i said about the morgan episode and morgan still doing the dilemma of oh do i still want to be alive and around people is getting kind of old the whole thing was strand of do i want to be a good person and i'm struggling with being a bad person is getting kind of old at the same time. Um, and I don't know this whole, I hope they really move past this whole kind of memory act with, uh, with my boy, uh, Daniel or with, uh, Daniel and kind of get rid of that because Daniel's the man on the show and some forced amnesia thing, which yeah. we already know by the end, he's, it's not, it's, it's a play. Right. Um, but I wouldn't, I hope they get past that quick. Cause I want to see full Daniel, but, um, yeah, wait. man, I'm stumping for it. Still fear. The walking dead is back on a good, foot right now i can say that right now mm -hmm. uh janelle you're caught up now right yeah we were getting down to the bottom of this before we started the podcast today i was you know if you listened last week i kind of got called out because i sort of fell off of the fear uh walking dead viewership i'm sorry i kind of let it go um and i <laughs> This week, I decided instead of watching World Beyond that I'm just going to go ahead and watch episode one and two of season six and see if I can understand enough to just like pick it up from there and not have to try to like, you know, watch a bunch of recaps and figure it out. I did fine. Um, obviously, I know Morgan because I'm so familiar with The Walking Dead. I, you know, know when Morgan left. I know that timeline. And it was pretty easy to figure out what was going on. The thing that I did have to kind of figure out was like, he was kind of left for dead. Um, and he's struggling with that. Like he's getting through that whole thing during episode one. But if you haven't watched it, in quite a few seasons and you are like, ah, it's too late. I can't get back in. You actually can. I really think that if, if you have walking dead knowledge, you kind of know how the world works. These characters, I feel like they did a good job of kind of making you care about these characters. Even the ones that I didn't know who they were. Of course, I know my season one crew. I know my season two crew, but some of these characters I wasn't familiar with, I still kind of I liked them. I was, I was wanting to see them live. I didn't want to see them die. Um, and yeah, I, I just think they did a good job. I think the story is really, is really well written. I, I did like find myself laughing in this episode at the way that they were trying to take out these walkers, like out loud. I was like, they're idiots. Like, this is so embarrassing that how long have they been in the apocalypse and they really can't kill these walkers. They really don't know that they should just kill them through the gate 
I just thought it was kind of laughable and a little silly. But beyond that, um, I think they're doing a really great job and I'm trying to get into World Beyond, but I think fear has stolen me and uh, I don't know how much more I'm going to watch of World Beyond. I mean, God bless you for trying, you know? Yeah, I did. Um, I tried. <laughs> it was for you guys. It yeah, was for I mean, the viewers, the listeners. The you are certainly taking one for the team. Um, finally, Lovecraft Country, I'll say, man, it, I didn't know this was going to be a thing. I, a month ago, wrote a thing that basically said Lovecraft Country, like what basically is happening in this show because I felt like people needed that. I didn't know how right that impulse was until I saw an SNL skit this past week that Issa Rae did <laughs> about trying to explain about a person in Nashville at a Titans game trying to explain to friends what Lovecraft Country was all about. I was like, SNL needs to stop following me. Um, right, right, it was a little too getting hedging a little too close to my life. That's but, uh, amazing. I didn't yeah, see right? that. No, it's a funny one. Um, Why did they I mean, cast you? <laughs> yeah, no, Issa Rae, uh, Issa Rae looks much better than me. It's all good. <laughs> much more talented and smart than me. So. It's like, you're it's like, this a, is my life every single podcast. <laughs> yeah, so this is a better look with Issa Rae, so I'm good. Um, That's great. But basically, yeah, Lovecraft Country wrapped up, and uh, what a finale it was. There were a bunch of surprises and twists, um, some characters. A lot of surprising deaths uh, that I spoiled for the entire comic book staff while mm-hmm. I was filling out a sauna, which was super awesome. I felt so great about that all weekend. Um, yeah, I was that guy. So, um, yeah, but uh, all in all, this show is just a crazy hodgepodge of different genre things with, like, characters of color, like Misha Green, showrunner, was saying. And uh, I love it, man. Like, it was a crazy ride. This one, bringing it, I think some of the weakest points are trying to bring the serialized story to a close because... For me, I was writing um, something about it, and I just basically said, like, the joy of the show is every episode every week was like a mini movie in and of itself of a different genre and kind of offer you these awesome stories from, like, a crazy Afrofuturistic kind of episode about a black lady going through time and space and becoming this super entity uh, through an Indiana Jones episode to this Korean throwback horror episode to... You know, we had one that was basically kind of like us, you know, with these demonic entities chasing this girl. Um, Yeah, until this finale episode. But there were some big changes in setups for season two. Uh, Major kind of twist to the world of the show. That was very interesting from a kind of sociopolitical standpoint. I don't want to spoil it because I feel like the show's still growing. And so the audience is going to probably catch up to it when it's on streaming in full and stuff like that. And they could take it all in. Um, But... Yeah, great show, great productions, great direction, great cast. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a real win for just exploring the idea that you can make more diverse TV shows that are just crazy in their genre explorations. It doesn't have to be like a Latin show, a black show, an Asian show with these kind of tired tropes and themes. Yeah. Lovecraft Country kind of let them just go, you know, act of color and uh, go and you know go nuts about in these different genre stories and uh, it was a great time. Um, if you ever needed a reason to love Journey Smollett even more than Birds of Prey, this is a good way to do it. And I'm looking forward to Jonathan Majors as Kang because uh, yeah, he's a good actor. So yeah, man, looking forward to it. So yeah, Lovecraft Country is now streaming on HBO Max if you can find it or 
I guess it's coming through Hulu too. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> that Hulu option's on the table, Janelle Wheeler. That Hulu option's still on the table. I, I know they're going to get this together. I just They'll believe. I truly do. You know, prou- I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for believing in 2020 that, anything can, that anything can be getting together, you know, in, at the current time. So that's a positivity PSA from Janelle Wheeler. And it's I like the rich- one thing they can do during 2020 is get the like streaming services right. Yeah, I know, you know? right? For all stuck at home. <laughs> yeah. Might as well get this right. Come on. Come on. All right. That'll do it for our TV recaps. There's more on the way as new shows premiere and such. But uh, for now, we're going to jump it over to just our comics preview. We'll do our in-depth comic reviews on uh, next show, on Friday's show. But uh, Matt, tell us what we should be looking for and uh, what we'll probably be discussing and, you know, the highs and the lows and all that good stuff on this roller coaster ride. Well, uh, so for sure, we'll start out with next episode. We'll definitely talk about Batman 101, which uh, picks up right after Joker War and... uh, without getting like too deep in it this was actually one of my i surprised like really like this issue <laughs> this is like a really good issue uh it's a shame it took this long to get here but i i really dug it uh amazing spider-man uh number 50 this will continue we're going we're going to get a host of last remains uh spins and tie-ins and things like that over the next few weeks so we will probably be talking lots of spider-man uh we have our 10 of swords uh, chapters this week, so let me pull this up. So Excalibur number 12 will be chapter 9. Um, X-Men number 13 will be chapter 10. And then we will have, I think actually that's it. Is it a 2? It's a 2. Oh, hey! It's not 3 chapters this week. Uh, we, also have Venom number, we also have Venom number 29. <laughs> we have Nightwing number 75, which is the return of the classic Blue and Black, Nightwing. Uh, We have Daredevil, number 23. We have Aquaman, 64. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number 55, is the finale to that series before it launches into Power Rangers and Mighty Morphin, uh, two series that will follow two different teams. So check that out. Uh, Death Metal, we have the Robin King, number one, which, by the way, we never... I don't know if we actually ever talked about Death Metal number four, but uh, I kind of love Robin King. He's creepy, and he's a little demented, and and I dig him way more than the Batman who lasts, I gotta say. I'm in Team Robin King. Uh, We also have Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn number one, uh, which is the uh, spinoff series of the Curse of the White Knight uh, Black Label books, uh, and those have been fantastic, personally, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, We also have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 110, Rat Queens number 22, Dead Day number four, Iron Man number two, and Spider Woman number five. So that is comics. All right, Matt, thank you very much. That'll bring us to the end of this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and every Friday on comicbook.com. You can listen in on the site or you can listen on your favorite podcast listening platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists. You can tell any smart home device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcasts. Or you can watch video of us live on Facebook every Wednesday and Friday when new episodes air there. If you missed a live episode, you can go over to the Comic Book Nation YouTube page and catch us there. If you want to join in the show, throw us topics, throw us responses, or just say what's up, you can always find us over at the at Comic Book Nation Twitter handle, or you can hit us up at the hashtag Comic Book Nation hashtag. We're always monitoring all of these things. If you want to get into the show, or if you're into the show and want to get a free t-shirt, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because once COVID finally passes over us 
and disappears like that miracle we were promised. We are going to get in our merch closet and get some shirts and hopefully mail them out to people. And uh, yeah, well, not hopefully. Once we get in the merch closet, we need to get this merch out of Positivity. the closet. Positivity. Positivity. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like we were reason. promised. <laughs> yes. Um, we're going to get you guys some T-shirts for five-star reviews. So please leave those on Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, we want to thank you guys for tuning in to Comic Book Nation. We hope you're staying checked in, staying healthy out there, and uh, staying a little bit chill in these unchilled times. We'll see you next time. Peace. Deuces. Bye. For shizzle.